Welcome to Survival Illusions. We are going to do a mini episode today on a person in a film franchise that uh, has been in the news quite a lot lately. We have mentioned it on the show a fair amount. J.K. Rowling has uh, been pretty universally criticized for her uh, repeated transphobic tantrums that fly in the face of... uh, pretty much every major medical organization's uh, views on transgender treatment, on uh, trans-affirming treatment. And, uh, of course, she's decided to amplify a lot of voices that are linked to anti-LGBT causes, all all the while saying that she is uh, supportive of of trans people. uh, I I don't really want to get too much into the... uh, nonsense that she spews out. There's a lot of great articles debunking some of her myths about uh, calling calling transgender treatment the new, new conversion therapy. Isn't that rich? So this episode is instead going to focus really solely on the Fantastic Beasts franchise and what's going to happen to that moving forward because I recently had a uh, Twitter thread that was pretty popular where I made the claim that that the third movie will be the final one. Now, that is a complicated notion that I want to unpack a bit because I do think it is incredibly likely that the Fantastic Beasts franchise, the spinoff of the Harry Potter franchise, was supposed to go for five films, and it's been really steeped in controversy for uh, most of its most of its history. Uh, the first movie, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, which is sort of based on the small book of the same name that was initially written for charity and was not really a narrative. So that came out in 2016. That kind of got... That did not have uh, much controversy, but uh, the controversy for really, really exploded during the uh, filming of The Crimes of Grindelwald, where it was revealed, well, at the end of the first film, it was revealed that Colin Farrell's character would be replaced by Johnny Depp, who, of course, has been uh, facing domestic abuse allegations by his ex-wife, the actress Amber Heard. Warner Brothers and J.K. Rowling decided to uh, move ahead with that. They've stood with Depp. You know, this, this case is ongoing. Uh, I, I stand with Amber Heard. It's a complicated situation. Uh, Depp obviously has a lot of fans, and, you know, that that's certainly... I mean, regardless of whether or not you believed on Johnny Depp, the fact still remains that, that his casting was immensely controversial. I mean, I'm, I'm also of the opinion that, that Johnny Depp is really past his prime and pirates the caribbean he he's really not it never really made sense to me why they would even really want to stand with him in the first place given how sort of over the hill he was in parts five he was absolutely terrible phoning it in i've heard reports that he had an earpiece or that he has an earpiece in for filming because he can't be bothered to learn his scripts so regardless kind of how you feel about his domestic abuse allegations it's still kind of one of those head scratchers of a uh, why why is this controversy that you uh want to weigh into and of course that wasn't the only controversy 
There was also the decision to feature uh, Nijini, which was Voldemort's snake from the uh, original Harry Potter series. For whatever reason, Rowling decided that uh, Nijini would be a person, an uh, Asian character played by Claudia Kim, who gets transformed into the snake. And the optics of that are uh, pretty bad to have a uh, woman of color imprisoned as a snake and then forced to serve a uh, white overlord it's it's really the whole thing was a head scratcher kind of reflective of her broader uh endless need on twitter to add new details about hogwarts including the idea that uh hogwarts didn't have toilets people's uh bodily waste their feces would just just disappear and they would just kind of go on the floor and it would (laughs) disappear and that's uh I don't know. I mean, she hasn't really even commented on how transgender people fit into that whole dynamic. But so, th- so that was a mess. We're actually not even done with all the controversies from that film. In particular, we also have the not explicitly gay Dumbledore controversy, where director David Yates said that uh, Dumbledore, despite after the book series being uh, revealed by J.K. Rowling to be a uh, gay man, even though that's not really in the books. Uh, so Dumbledore comes out of the closet after the book series, and then he gets pushed back into the closet right when the film series, uh, the prequel series starts. So basically the, the, the retcon that J.K. Rowling introduced into the franchise after the book series was that Albus Dumbledore portrayed in the prequel series by Jude Law was actually romantically involved with with Grindelwald and uh, we've done a whole podcast episode on the not explicitly gay Dumbledore controversy the really all the controversies based around Dumbledore's sexuality it's one of our more popular episodes what's kind of upsetting uh, in particular about that sort of decision is uh, it demonstrated the the sort of careless uh, attitude that J.K. Rowling portrays towards lgbtq people but really it's also just kind of reflective of the fact that dumbledore can't be gay because then the film's not going to screen in china or russia that's their screeners the there's controversies like this that pop up all the time like that blink and you miss it kiss at the end of rise star wars rise of skywalker so those are all of the Grindelwald controversies, all the big ones. Uh, there actually is also a new controversy that's not related to the transgender uh, temper tantrums that J.K. Rowling throws. There's also a controversy surrounding uh, the non-binary actor Ezra Miller, who plays The Flash in the DC Expanded Universe. They were... Filmed, uh, there's a video of them uh, appearing to choke a woman at a bar in Iceland. That That's a controversy that uh, is still unfolding. There hasn't been a super amount of news on it. It happened in April. Studios have not done a, a, a lot to address that, and I, th- I think it would be fair to Ezra and to everybody to... Classify that as as a as an ongoing story, and yet, I mean, the point, the broader point, still remains. The series was 
drowning in controversy well before J.K. Rowling decided to, in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of Pride Month, become the world's most prominent transphobe. And all of that's a problem. And the bigger problem is the numbers. So the first Fantastic Beast movie did pretty well. It grossed $814 million against a $175 million budget. Uh, that's a healthy number, especially for a spinoff series, first series in a film. You can kind of uh, gather that if that movie is successful, if people like it, more people will see it. Word of mouth on uh, television, on streaming services later, that's a pretty good start for a franchise. However, after all these controversies, and uh, it should also be noted that the first one got pretty good reviews. But for the second one, basically you could flip everything. The controversy, uh, very poor reviews, and it grossed uh, $654 million against a $200 million budget. So that is a pretty steep decline. And it is really important to point out and to note that some of you could, could be thinking, okay, the movie still made $450 million. That is a lot of money. And under most circumstances, $450 million is a lot of money. But in Hollywood, $454 million is kind of... Uh, that's a... It's, it's, it's basically teetering on the edge of this movie was a failure. And you could call it a failure for not matching the original anyway, but the, the, the broader point is that Warner Brothers does not take away $450 million from the movie. The, uh, a box office gross is divided up so many different ways. And that's also... A budget does not take into consideration the advertising budget, which uh, for big movie blockbusters frequently tops $100 million. So when you, when you consider that a lot of different people, uh, I mean, Warner Brothers is big enough that they can handle their domestic distribution, but especially when you're going into other countries, uh, especially countries like China, there's foreign distribution you got to deal with. There's movie theaters that get their cut. J.K. Rowling has really unprecedented powers over this franchise. You imagine she gets a cut of uh, what's called the back end. And I don't have the contracts in front of me, so I can't tell you how many people get slices of, of the back end profits from this movie. All I can tell you is when you, when you put in a few hundred million into making a movie, you're not really shooting for a result that essentially has you breaking even, which, which is essentially where we're at with The Crimes of Grindelwald. It did not make so much money that a sequel would be obviously in the cards if this was another franchise, if this was any other franchise besides Harry Potter. And that's an especially bad place to be in if you're the second film of five. Because those trends are, are really bad. I'm talking about Crimes of Grindelwald essentially breaking even, which is like 
whether it whether it broke even or it made a a, a modest profit, that's kind of a distinction without a difference because almost certainly I say this I say this basically with uh, near certainty. The money that, that Warner Brothers took away, the profit that they took away from Crimes of Grindelwald, even pre-coronavirus, pre-COVID, with all the, the scheduling delays and all the money that, that this pandemic is costing Hollywood, the money that, that they took away from Crimes of Grindelwald is almost certainly not going to exceed the budget of the third one. And that's an important distinction because when you're a studio and you have your big blockbusters— the general idea is that the big blockbusters are helping you to finance movies down like a like a trickle down effect which if ever if you follow capitalism and trickle down economics that that's kind of problematic but within the filmmaking industry big budget movies are supposed to help a studio finance the small budget movies and that does happen but when it comes to crimes of grindelwald that movie probably didn't make enough money. Whatever money the movie did make is going to go immediately back into making the third one. And if you're a studio looking at one of your best assets, Warner Brothers has that, and uh, the DC Comics is basically their other big biggest asset. They have a lot of big assets, obviously, but, but Harry Potter is about as big as you get. There aren't a ton of film series that are more powerful than Harry Potter. So if you have the second of five that is essentially a little over breaking even, you've got to be looking at that thinking to yourself, where are we going to be with the fifth movie? And I'll just give you an example. Let's say so the second movie had a... $25 million increase in budget over the second over the first and essentially made $160 million uh, less at the box office. So that's essentially a net that's that's essentially $200 million or $185 million less that, that Warner Brothers gets to take home because the movie was more expensive and made less money. That is uh, not fun. And generally speaking, I mean, if you look at the Harry Potter film grosses, uh, there was a bit of an up and down in uh, theirs. But, I mean, that's kind of common for—I don't want to say common. That can happen for, for film franchises, especially— if you look at the MCU, which is a bit harder because they're not literally meant to be all linear sequels to each other, but there are ups and downs. And franchises can have ups and downs, but this is a spinoff series, and a spinoff series does not carry the same amount of hype as Harry Potter. It The, the build-up to Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows was so big, so you could do all the series retrospectives. Look at how much they've grown. That kind of stuff. And Fantastic Beasts, you know, it's it's a franchise that is uh, losing steam as time goes on. And there's a lot of fantasy films over the past 10 years in, in the wake of The Hunger Games and also kind of in the wake of Harry Potter that we're trying to start up. And a lot of them, a lot of them f didn't even finish, like Allegiant, 
or the Divergent franchise was supposed to, they were going to have an Allegiant two-part movie, and the first one bombed so much, they never made the second. They're going to make a TV series to finish that up. That didn't happen. And it's kind of, at one point, it was kind of unthinkable to think that that could happen to Fantastic Beasts. But I'm basically telling you right now that it's practically inevitable because of uh, of of the absolutely terrible shape the franchise is in with three more to go. And people have asked me, well, do you think the third one will even get made? The answer to that is almost assuredly yes. It was set to start filming right as the pandemic hit. They're all kind of ready to go. Although, I say that, Zoe Kravitz just announced that she will not be in the third one. So there are cast members who are leaving. It is kind of an interesting uh, idea of what will happen with Eddie Redmayne, who put out a statement against J.K. Rowling. And normally you can kind of find uh, some sort of agree-to-disagree type territory. J.K. Rowling blocked... Well, she tweeted... There are reports that she did block Stephen King. I, it's something that that it's it can be kind of hard for for people to independently confirm whether she actually did block him or not. Only Stephen King has access to his Twitter that he'd be able to see that. But J.K. Rowling tweeted a long transphobic thread. Stephen King found a tweet in it that was probably the most uh, innocuous of them. Retweets it. J.K. Rowling goes on a, oh my god, it's so brave of you, have always been a Stephen King. She even quoted Misery, saying, oh my god, I love you so much, paraphrasing. And Stephen King, because a lot of people were mad at him after that, somebody commented, like, can you clarify your statement about uh, trans people? Do you think trans women are women? And Stephen King unequivocally writes in a reply, yes, trans women are women. Which is uh, rare, and I I was uh, very impressed with Stephen King. I, I was I was worried, you know. There's a a, a plague of uh, among sort of online celebrities who sort of tweet about these issues from a point of ignorance or a point of not really understanding them, and a response to being criticized for those comments is often to double down to refuse to apologize refuse to acknowledge just sort of blow the the cancel culture horn and claim that you're being hounded by these angry mobs so it doesn't really matter what you said because people were mean to you on twitter and we should focus on that instead of the horrible thing you said in the first place everybody can obviously tell how i feel about this stuff so jk rowling deletes a tweet uh, praising Stephen King after he says trans women are women. He doesn't refute anything J.K. Rowling says. He doesn't say anything about J.K. Rowling. He just says trans women are women, and J.K. Rowling deletes that, obviously knowing what a stink that would cause in the public sphere. It is kind of hard to believe that she will stand to be around Eddie Redmayne on set after he put out a statement saying that he disagreed with her about transgender issues. And she has, people have asked me how much control J.K. Rowling has over Fantastic Beasts. And the answer is, most of what I've been telling you, pretty much all of it, is 100% speculative. 
based on trends in film, understanding of film, and all of that. I, I have not seen her contracts. I have no inside knowledge at what, what is going on at Warner Brothers. I don't know. I have no crystal ball. I cannot tell you what is actually going on. I can I can give you informed opinions about where this franchise is based on the numbers and trends and all of that. But we 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 do know when this deal was signed for Fantastic Beasts, it was noted that she, that J.K. Rowling did have a historic level of creative control. She has final say over the script. Which, which, you know, as, as basically everybody can uh, imagine, it is impossible to divorce this franchise from J.K. Rowling. She is Harry Potter. She is the Fantastic Beast. And she's not fantastic. Not in the slightest. And people have asked, like, can she kick Eddie Redmayne off the film? I mean, the answer is kind of functionally yes, even if contractually the answer is no. Generally speaking, in, in, in past times when actors have feuded with other actors or creatives have feuded with actors, the more powerful one can easily get rid of the less powerful one. And it's obvious that J.K. Rowling's the more powerful one with Eddie Redmayne. And generally, the, the logic behind that is, is in the idea that J.K. Rowling either gets her way or she can make a big stink about it. You could almost say the ability to make a big stink out of this doesn't really matter anymore, given that this franchise is covered in stink and that she makes stinks uh, way worse than this on a seemingly weekly basis. So I'm not even sure if she wanted uh, Eddie Redmayne gone that Warner Brothers would agree to it. I don't know who has uh, casting control. Part of me says that it would be odd if J.K. Rowling had that. As the screenwriter, creative final say over the script is is kind of a different story, but uh, that that it's all speculation. I don't know. What I do know is that Warner Brothers is going to be facing this decision uh, moving forward where... They have three more movies in a franchise that is uh, just barely making money. Fantastic Beast is not a big merchandising cash cow like Harry Potter. It's a spinoff franchise with uh, diminishing reviews and diminishing fan interest. And that's a, that's a powerful combination. If Crimes of Grindelwald was like revered as a masterpiece, well, it is hard to... It, Let's just say it was a masterpiece that still made the same amount of money. We wouldn't really, like, the, the whole thing would change because the positive word of mouth would, in theory, be some kind of a boost for its prospects moving into a third movie. People would be excited. It is kind of an open question who the hell is excited for a third Fantastic Beast movie, a fourth Fantastic Beast movie, and a fifth Fantastic Beast movie. Besides, of course, gender critical people who don't really make up a big demographic, and also it's unclear of 
if if you're if, if you're just trying to pander to people who hate trans people, it's kind of unclear if they're gonna go spend money to go watch the third installment of a franchise that got better views the last one. And then of course there's there's the bigger issue of how the hell would you promote something like this? If you ever if you've ever watched a promotional spot if you ever watch a celebrity go on like good morning america or the tonight show the view basically anytime a celebrity is going to promote a movie or a book or something what generally happens is for at least the first half of the interview or some some re- substantial part of the interview they get asked about other things not just 100 percent the movie like whenever a politician puts out a uh, old politician puts out a memoir or something, they're obviously asked a lot about the current administration. And Johnny Depp was basically sidelined from promoting Crimes of Grindelwald because uh, in his only interview, he was asked about the Amber Heard situation by Entertainment Weekly. We're in a situation where every cast member and Rowling herself doing all sorts of press interviews are going to be asked about nothing but trans issues and I guess in Depp and Miller's case, their, their own controversies. It is almost impossible to make good publicity surrounding this series. It's a disaster. It is a, in really, really, really bad shape. So I don't really see how this franchise finishes because it's essentially a guarantee that the next movie is going to lose money. If it makes less money than the last one and it costs more to make, the only way they can kind of hope to break even is if they slash the advertising budget, which of course could hurt the box office. This, this franchise is in really, 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 really bad shape. And Warner Brothers has precedent for doing this. They, Justice League, Zack Snyder's uh, movie that is now going to be a a HBO Max miniseries because it was supposed to be two parts. And then, of course, it only was one part. And uh, because of very tragic uh, circumstances surrounding the Snyder family, the suicide of his daughter... Joss Whedon ended up finishing it, and everybody hated it, and it was terrible, and now they're going to make a... They they have all this footage from what was supposed to be two movies, now it's going to be a series, but the reason... They had decided that it was going to be one movie even before Joss Whedon took over because the preceding movies kept underperforming. Batman vs. Superman made far less money than it should have. These movies were tanking, and the studio was like, we've had enough. Movie studios do not like to be in the business of losing money, and they've spent all of 2020 losing money. This coronavirus has been... Coronavirus will change the entire box office. And Hollywood is, is... a very risk adverse business. It does not like taking risks. It does not like taking it, you know, occasionally it rewards big risks. But if you think about like they a lot of media would report that films like Black Panther or or Crazy Rich Asians were these these big sleeper surprise hits. 
And to like it's a, an average person, it shouldn't be a surprise at all that uh, a diverse film was successful in a field that is really, uh, you know, Hollywood is not the most diverse place in the world. That's what we've kind of spent the last few years trying to fix. It shouldn't be a shock that movies featuring people of color do well. Or, you know, think of how long it took to get a big blockbuster movie starring a female superhero. Wonder Woman did really well for years and years and years and years and years, we heard. Female superheroes won't sell. And then they did sell. People are like, you know, the, the shocked Pikachu meme comes to mind. It's just ridiculous. Point being, broader point being, Hollywood really hates taking risks. And this franchise now is anything but a sherbet. It, it, it's a... It, it's hard to imagine things going... Worse than they are now with all these controversies, even before you factor in the transphobia, which will take center stage now. I do not think they will cancel the third one. That just, it's too close. I do think it's a good chance this is the final one because they got to be looking at this saying, this is a disaster. This franchise, we cannot do two more of these. That That's conceivably billions of dollars in sunk money. Maybe a billion. A lot of money could be wasted in pursuit of, of two more movies that will not make money. And I think they've got to be preparing for the idea that the third one will be underwater from a box office perspective. That's got to be. Their budget's already got to be ballooning with COVID, having to postpone production. That's going to add millions to the budget. So we're, we're dealing with a situation where this franchise was already in a lot of trouble for a lot of other reasons. And this, this trans issue, which has really uh, divided J.K. Rowling from, from most of the stars of Harry Potter, even from stars of this movie, uh, we have not heard the end of this story and yet this podcast is really painting a very bleak picture based on the story that's been told. I don't need to speculate on what J.K. Rowling will say next week for all of this to be true. We're just dealing with a situation where there is a lot of icing on this cake. So I hope that that was kind of a good explainer as to where the Fantastic Beasts franchise is. Why uh, I, there's, there's no way this is going five. It's not possible. I'll admit to a little bit of leeway in the sense that there could be a fourth that's the final in kind of a face-saving gesture, but maybe, well, I was I was just about to say maybe they'll bring back the original cast members to try and generate buzz, but will they even come back? I do know. I wouldn't come back if I was Daniel Radcliffe. I don't see anything for him to gain. So anyway, total mess, total disaster, uh, and... To that, I say good riddance. And if you like this episode, I highly recommend you listen to the On the Subject of Gay Dumbledore post, which uh, was filmed, uh, was recorded last year. So it doesn't include all this transgender uh, controversies. But, you know, here we are. What a mess. Anyway, thank you for listening, and we will see you next time.